It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Back home media. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I, I sent you a questionnaire and you told me that you were like born in Topeka, but ended up in Garden. Um, do you remember much about Topeka or how old were you when you got over to Garden City? I, I was just born there. I should have oh. been more elaborate, but my parents lived in Manhattan at the time. And then they uh, they didn't want to have me in a hospital because they're kind of hippies like that. So they okay. went to the birthing center in Topeka which is was just like a regular old like Victorian style home with a bunch of midwives and a hot tub and shit and she had me and several of my siblings there wow so you that that so like was that something that you were raised around like that kind of uh, I, I hate to say the word spirituality but like just that sort of lifestyle like the hippie style oh yeah absolutely absolutely that's my that was my whole childhood um just dirty, unwashed children playing in like piles of mud in the garden. Well, my parents like had they met in a community garden. That tells you oh, anything. Nice. That's how they know each other. Nice. Well, so tell me a little bit about Garden City. You get there, and uh, how old are you when you get there? And uh, I was like who do you eight, first? I was like eight or nine years old, so I really don't remember too much about uh, like Manhattan, Kansas. Like I had a friend or two. I remember right. my dad's band and shit, but. Uh, we moved there and I was super young. I don't think I was like old enough that like moving upset me at all. So like, I just was kind of just like there for it. And, uh, I might've been the, the last year I would like went to public school too. I think my mom pulled me out of the garden city schools, like, like that, like within like the first year of moving there. But, what was the question again? Sorry. Well, I, I kind of want to hit on that. So you were pulled out. Like, did did you like your whole life? Were you homeschooled, or did she ever send you back to school, or how did that how did that work out? No, I, she pulled us out of school at like second grade. I think she read a book. I'll have to ask her what book it was. The great irony is is that now she is a school teacher. She does <laughs> that professionally full time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it was, was it just like, uh, like, how do you, cause you're a smart dude. I've had conversations with you in the past. Um, how do you feel like you did most of your learning then? Like, was it just your mom and your parents teaching you things or how did you kind of do your learning? I think my, my dad teaches college and he was doing this through the whole time that we were homeschooled. So, um, at GCCC, the Garden City Podcasts and right. name, 
Shout out to GCCC. But uh, it was kind of just like the learning process. There was a little bit of curriculum for like math and other stuff, but most of it was just like, here's a stack of books and you're going to read this. And also we don't have television in the house. So like there was no cable. This was when Netflix came in the mail. And so it was like a lot of just like reading. And uh, my dad would say that like the most important part is like the ability to learn, like knowing how to learn. Right. And that just came with the territory of homeschooling because it was very much like my mom was figuring the shit out at the same time we were. Like she was always retaking fifth grade math. Right. <laughs> so like, I guess let me ask you this because um, when you're homeschooled like that, later on in life if you would have wanted to like go to college or anything like that how does that stuff translate like oh super easy. Credit we, wise. we went to we we ended up getting back into school for high school oh okay and i don't think they that helped a lot but i think that's deliberate because i remember other homeschooled kids from garden doing that as well you have to ask there's a lot there's actually a lot of people who are homeschooled in garden and th- we all hung out as like a group, like the parents needed a support network. And so they kind of just like, they homeschooled so hard that they recreated public school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We all met up at like Bible Christian church and <laughs> we're taught like religious fundamentalism was the whole curriculum <laughs> like all day. Well, so you say like, there's no TV in your house and stuff. So my wife, um, which my every time I've ever brought you up, my wife's like, I taught him piano a hundred years ago. Um, she uh, she's like when he was a little kid, but she was uh, sort of in a similar situation. There was no TV in her house, like they didn't do that. And her reason was uh, pretty religious reasons. Do you feel like uh, what was the main reasoning for your parents not having that kind of stuff in your house? I part of me wants to say money, like they were they just had other interests than spent. Like cable's always been fucking expensive, so. Right. They just didn't want to fuck with it. But also, like, they also didn't believe in that stuff. Like, it took us forever to have a computer. Like, the computer would just, like, break and be broken for a really long time, and they didn't care. Like, uh, it got, we stole the computer and put it, set it up in, like, a closet because we were supposed to be grounded, and, they like, it was never missed. Like, <laughs> like it was just, like, set up in my closet on this little shelf behind all my coats. So like we, you could like move the coats to the side, and my little brother Max would be like sneaking in there. We'd be sharing that thing. What does it do to you and your siblings? Like, because I'm assuming that part of you as kids wants to have TV, wants to have this oh, stuff yeah. that the okay. other kid. Like, what does that do with your relationship with your parents? Did you realize they were trying to help you, or were you kind of like, what the hell? Um. It was a little bit of both. I mean, they kept us pretty busy. We were required to like, or not. It's participating in families, right. like it's mandatory, right? Unless you want to like get your shit, like pack up your shit when you're like 14 or something. So <laughs> we were always out in the garden, uh, working because I always have. Even the house now, it's uh, probably everybody who's from Garden who listens to this podcast knows what I'm talking about. It's that like Victorian style house, right by the hospital, kind of by Stevens Park, and it's just all garden. So she's like well known for that, but we were always like cleaning and 
reading books and stuff, but it has affected me in that, like, when other people talk about, like, pop culture and shows that were popular, I have, I can't, like, contribute to the conversation too much, like, besides, like, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, which we right. had on, like, DVD, like, we never, like, I just don't know anything about the TV shows or anything that were happening in, like, the 90s and 2000s, so there's, like, a gap there, and we were, we did, like, want that stuff, so we got really good at like pirating content on our phone. Like back when like the PSP was a thing, I like was pirating movies on that. And uh, we were before that we were really happy to go to grandma's house because grandma grandma's house was hooked up, and we just do nothing. We just like be vegetables the whole time we were there, just down the basement, air conditioning going. We weren't playing outside. We were just watching like staying up all night to watch cartoon network that was kind of how that went <laughs> did, do you feel like uh any of that's continued into your adult life are you somebody who still doesn't really have cable or anything like that i don't have cable but streaming is so ubiquitous that it's like i have several streaming apps do okay. i make it a habit to watch it like a couple of shows i've Usually, but most of the time, I really love like just video games and stuff to kill the time, though. So, like, instead of watching a bunch of shows, I'm playing games if I have free time for that kind of thing. Right. So, your 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 parents aren't allowing you to pipe in like MTV and VH1 stuff like that. How no. do you? Because I know you play music. Like, at what point in your life did you start getting introduced to music? Who introduced you to music? And, uh, yeah, how did you get around learning who the bands were when your mom wasn't really letting you watch TV? It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Oh, okay. So, like, I, well, I don't think music, like, the sure the shit on MTV for a couple years, from my understanding, was actually good. But then, it, like, even by the time I was a kid and, like, would have had access to that, it would have been trash already in, like, the 2000s, I think. But um, uh, my introduction to music happened like right away well it was was like it's like my first memory my dad was in a couple of pretty successful bands in the manhattan kansas area so people might have heard of like bands like roach factory or the mathematics the mathematics kept going for a really long time even after he moved and they would always play in like lawrence and wichita and stuff and so i like legitimately the first memory i ever have is sitting in the garage while my dad was babysitting and also having band practice simultaneously. So, yeah, 
you're not gonna like leave the the five-year-old kids inside when the garage is like across the property so i was sitting out there just watching like cigarette smoke make all these like crazy shapes in the air and like that's my like first legitimate memory was it like an immediate like okay this is what i want to do or like what was your immediate like instinct when seeing that i just thought it was normal like okay. it, that just seemed like normal life to me like i couldn't i couldn't imagine life any other way and that's probably why i continue to do this because i always like when i'm around those kind of like artistic types who are in bands and stuff when i'm in a band i just like breathe a sigh of relief inside because yeah. like those are like legitimately like my mom would bring us to his concerts and looking back they were some big concerts sometimes like they were on the same label or had like a, a deal at one point at, at, on the same label as metallica back when they were oh, on like yeah. a, a prior label and they do like the whole circuit that i'm starting to get familiar with now and, and like i just re i remember like being like held as like at these concerts with like cotton balls in my ears you know <laughs> so it's like it just seemed like so normal to me and i just need it like so you you don't really start hanging out well you have the kids that you meet like when your your parents are like networking with other homeschoolers when you start going to high school in garden city uh who are some of the who are some of the kids that you gravitated towards uh first all the weirdos the theater kids like there was like the was that on purpose i mean did you go looking for weirdos or how did that no I, I just was one i had like my i grew i uh, i grew my hair back out long recently but my hair was like just like this long yeah i was just like it was it was great having like long dark hair because I just like put headphones in. It's like I don't want to fucking be here. But, like so, just headphones in, head down. I made a couple of friends. No one really fucked with me because I was always like a tall dude. So like I wasn't like a, a total like outcast, but I definitely hung out with like the other like emo kids and the by the smokers corner back in the old high school. Right. Oh my god. Uh, the old high school was just so easy to get away with shit. It was great. Yeah, the new uh, one's like a prison. You don't think you can get away with it. Oh, yeah. The new one do definitely doesn't have a fucking smoking section for the teenagers, <laughs> which is like literally what everyone knew, like the corner behind one of the doors at the old Garden City High School, which is now uh, middle school. Uh, everyone knew that as like smoker's corner. And like that's where you could. High schoolers just have to deal these days in gardens. <laughs> they just have to deal with the stress. No, I knew I knew a kid who couldn't like could he couldn't like stop smoking cigarettes after they transitioned to the new high school, and he got busted like right away walking around the grounds trying to smoke a cigarette. Just immediately expelled all those kids. Probably <laughs> they weren't like vaping under their desks. Right which is what teachers have to deal with now. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. So um, with your parents deciding to homeschool you guys and stuff early, Do you was that like any, I guess I'm kind of projecting, are they kind of helicopter parents in the sense that they wanted to make sure they were very hands-on with who you were when you were an adult? Um, and did that, did that spill over into what you were allowed to do outside of the house? Like how, how free were you to roam the streets? Well, I'm the oldest kid. So my experience is different than I'd say like, I kind of, when I look at my family, I kind of divide them as like the, I have five brothers and sisters. So there's six of us total and two, two of my parents all living in the same house. So I consider it like the top three, the three oldest. And that's me, my brother, Max and my sister, Zoe. And then there's the bottom three, 
which is Cassie and Lily and Veronica. And they're like so much younger than me that I, I like my parents are just different people at that point right. while they're raising him. But for the top three, it was exactly how you said, like suspected, man. Like we, our, our days were very routine and we weren't allowed to do stuff without like completing a lot of chores first. I was always like scared to ask my parents, like if I could go hang out with whoever, like across the street or like, you know, I do that thing where I like get them, like my friend across the street and be like, Hey, ask my mom if we can hang out. She's like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to ask. So yeah, I was, it was kind of, it was kind of like that, like helicopter. I don't think my dad ever really, he was never really like that. Like he, he was always at work all mm. day. So it was like my mom homeschooling us for the most part. Right. Okay. So um, when you get to high school and stuff, uh, was it, you said that, you know, the homeschooling situation in, gar- in your garden was pretty um, regimented. Did you feel like it was an easy transition to go to a traditional school in high school? I thought it was, it was only as easy as that. I was like almost overprepared for the substance of high school. Um, we actually, me and a couple of my siblings have just like gone to college early, kind of right. like that. Just like, um, or like t- been taking like AP courses in, in high school. And I took a couple of those. It was just so simple that I could like, I felt like I could do all the work uh, in like 10 minutes and then like sleep at my desk th- through the rest of the fucking class in a right. lot of classes. There were a couple of teachers who really I engaged with and who were good and like did took like the one-on-one time, which is what I was used to. But for the rest of it, I just did, like, it was just so easy. I blew through with, like, a fucking perfect GPA, like, super easy all the time. Except math. Math has always been, like, a subject I struggle with. And I don't think my my mom struggled with it, too, I'm sure. Right. And, but, and, like, and that's, like, it's the pros and cons of kind of letting somebody learn at their own risk. So for things like reading, I was, like, there. Like, I aced all my English courses without having to try at all. But then, like, math... Since I was like at home learning at my own pace, I was still like stuck at algebra, just having to redo that over and over again. And meanwhile, my brother had been like filling out fucking calculus uh, homework for fun when we were homeschooled. So it was just like different brains, different personality types. Right. And I, so that was. Uh, do you like learning or does it just come kind of natural to you? Like, do you enjoy learning? Something happened. Can you see me? Hello, hello, hello. Let me try this. You there? You hello? Yo. Can you hello, see me? It, yeah, I can see you now. Okay, cool. I fixed it. Oh, okay, cool. Is that on my end? Uh, I, probably something just happened. I just pulled you down and put you back up. Um, do you like enjoy learning? Is it something that's fun for you, or you always, just kinda, always, always? Love I love learning. I'm always watching like random videos on youtube about just like things that just don't aren't applicable in my life at all but i just want to like gobble up all this different knowledge and trivia it's very important to me right well one thing i want to talk about here on the show is that uh you know i the the intro music to this show it's like from the 40s or 50s it's avon don dyer he was a garden city uh, resident and he had that song and a couple other songs that were like on the national level. And so I know that garden city has been like 
a place where music has generally always happened. And there's always been a couple of little shitheads with some amps and drum set that are starting some shit. And I got to witness your, your life when you started playing music, when you were just a little kid. Um, and you were part of Garden City's ever-going music story. What was when I came to Garden City? Uh, the pond was still a thing. You might not even know what the pond is because they don't. bulldozed yeah, the, it. Yeah, the Buffalo Pond, right? Set by the. Well, it was out there, like uh, east of Walmart in that field. There's like apartments there now, but it used to be an old fishing pond. It was a bowl. Uh, it was just dirt, and then there was a uh, the stage was the old fishing dock. And it was gnarly and all kinds cool. of bands when you could just play. And it was just crazy, man. So when I moved to Garden City, there were shows at the pond every weekend. There were three to four hundred kids at every show. No ifs, ands or buts. That's on. A, you know, that's just standard. And that was my introduction to live music. And my band was really bad. The band I was in back then, just really bad. And we're getting like this huge reaction from all these kids in Garden City. So that's how I got to see music. And then I see like when you guys come around and my I was playing in a different band at that point and not very many people go to shows as, as much these days. Not like that at all. And it made me feel bad for you guys. I was like, man, they if they just would have showed up 20 years earlier, they could have had yeah. like 400 screaming kids in front of them. Tell me what you felt like deciding you wanted to be in a band and then knowing that you had that against you, that you were in Garden City, Kansas, which was always going to have a musical heartbeat, but it was not thriving at that time. Yeah, so it it sucked a lot of the time getting started. It was just rough, but it was it was easier for like I, my first band was with my little brother, so that. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We thought that was great at first. It ended up not <laughs> being so great. And we had like a lot of fights and stuff. And I kicked him out of the band at one point. And then he started his own band. But it was easy for us because we had like this, which is this like Orange Amp was my dad's. So it was that H&M Strat right there. And several, just all the stuff you accumulate through like a lifetime of being in a band. He had that stuff and he was done with it. He didn't care what we did. He was like, oh, here, like it's yours now. So we had the equipment. We had really understanding parents who would let us play at the house. And that was important. And uh, we just like had to do it. We started like being in a band and writing songs went like exactly when we were 15. And like we realized that like, oh, this is like oh, we want to be cool. This is what cool people do. Yeah. <laughs> And we had that foundation already. 
of like my dad being in it. So it was like, we always, we were just doing it for us. Like the lack of an outlet was pretty frustrating, but it was cool when like an opportunity did show up. Like, right. I don't even know like who was booking those. Like, like I, I just, just completely over my head. Just like, okay, one day, like we got a show. And even though that only happened like once or twice a year or like once in the whole career of our band, our high school band, it was still awesome. Uh, we played with, she said at, uh, that Neos. you, I was there too. We played too. Yeah. A couple of times, a couple of times at four wins, a couple of, there's that hotel in the middle of town, the, the clarion or something. Yeah. And, uh, I think those are the only places we played or could play. Like there just wasn't a lot. I did. That was like, even between like, that was like, that truly was the dark ages. So now there's hillside, which is what the, your pond story reminds you of. And I know that, that that's not super active right now, but that is one of the coolest venue spaces. From and, my understandings, hillside is, I don't know this for a fact. This is just me guessing. I'm thinking that hillside might've been retired because now Colin owns that hidden trail brewery. Oh yeah. They that's have, exciting. Uh, Trevino is going to play there in July. They, they're, they're having bands play there, which that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because, um, it's it, it's very frustrating to me, and I feel like you're the person to talk to because, like I described earlier, shows used to be humongous things, even in the sticks of Garden City, Kansas. Like, a show was – everybody was there, and it had rarely had anything to do with the music or the bands. It was just the place to be. And then, like, your generation comes around, and nobody wants to go to shows anymore. Now, I've always just been like, okay, well, they don't need to go to the show because the only reason that we went to the show back then – was because that was how we learned about what was going on in the town, where people were going to be that night. And your generation, you've always had some type of device or computer where you could reach out to your friends in a matter of seconds and do these plans. You know, so what, how do why do you feel like your generation just didn't nerd out as hard on like the, the rock and roll shows and stuff like that? It's probably this, this thing right so. here. Yeah. yeah, probably. I don't know. It's because like exactly like you said. Uh, that you could, you have an infinite world of entertainment at your fingertips for whatever you want to do. You, like, you know, for, forget about it. You can watch any concert, pretty much from history, like right now, if you mm -hmm. look hard enough online. So I think I can't imagine Garden City before the internet shows would have been like a fucking big deal, and people were probably hella grateful that those were happening but then it's also like you, you just got to lean into it the, the people who do like hugo's on top of his social media game shit right and there is a heartbeat there it's just it it frustrates me to see that it used to just be like this but i mean i get it it's just not the same thing all those like, people that were at those like shows that are old too, Wichita, man it's like that anywhere i think yeah it, it's not the garden city problem it's just like uh like the, everyone's always being like how do we get people to our shows it's just, just uh, the Garden City is especially lacking in like a creative right. outlet, right? Yeah, but it's it's a problem across the board, I think. Unless you're already like an established band with a following that gets people excited, right? Well, I mean, where does that where does the the music lie in you? I mean, are you are you excuse me? Are you like uh in on route to rock stardom in your head, or is this? Are you like in this like I want to make money and be a millionaire, or are you literally just having I, fun? I'm literally I I want to write like a best selling 
album and then you'll never hear from me again i'm gonna like go retire in the woods like that's kind of what i'll, I'll be like a one-hit wonder with like i'd be happy with that i don't care yeah. i just like i like entertaining people it's fun i wrote like a fucking song about a crackhead stealing catalytic converters which should come out like <laughs> in a couple of months if i can finish it i want to finish it in time for the summer but it's gonna be it's, the summer the summer hit it's it's called it's like a hot spoon summer dude that's the that's the premise behind it i was like what if i write like an album from that dude's perspective so i'm working <laughs> like so it's obviously just for me it is it's cool it feels yeah. good once because like before it was almost like even pay to play like i don't think we ever got fucking paid for those shows that we did with you back in the day. I don't even think you guys got paid. And if you did get paid, like it, it is now, it's like 300 bucks or whatever. Well, split so between I three booked people. that show. And um, as far as paid, we had to pay for sound. So that like ate up a lot. Yeah, of it. We had to yeah. rent the equipment and then we had to repay someone to run it. Um, I it, think. No, that's expensive. It's, it's like that. So like whenever we do walk away with like, I don't know, it's like 20 bucks a person. It still feels like r- cool to like reach right. that point where like people are are giving you a little bit of money for your craft. But well, it's never been about that. That night also was a big learning lesson for me because that was like the first show that I booked at a, a club and and everything went down the way it did. And I learned a lot that night. I was thinking that I was going to be able to like make a side gig out of booking shows in garden city and i'm not the only crazy person that's had that idea about a thousand people have had that idea nobody's really cracked it nobody's been able to only book shows and not have a job which it'd be great if it was if you had the same kind of numbers you had in like the 90s you could do it but um yeah i I just realized that like garden city it's like if you if you're playing in like Wichita or Lawrence or somewhere, you go there and like they have a PA, they have a sound guy. It's just part of the thing. It's not that big of a deal. But yeah. in Garden City, like you have to hire the sound guy. You have to. It's yeah. just like you have to build the show, you know. And like you're yeah. playing, like, like that place was cool, but like we were playing in like a pit of a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like so that's why I always felt like I've always had like a love hate relationship with the with Southwest Kansas because. Um, I just kind of knew from the beginning there was a there was a vague period in my like from like between like 18 and 19 where I thought that no it's no big deal you could totally you know get 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 somewhere in music in Garden City but then I was like probably not man like it's just it's just not yeah, yeah it. no you're not gonna and I've it's pretty unfortunate too because I've seen like a lot of really talented musicians There's great music out just, of that part of the country yeah just have to move first off mm-hmm. or ha- or just like fizzle out like they end up having like kids and having a, like more priorities in their life and it eventually just takes the back burner forever like indefinitely which is right. like you know responsibility and all that but it's also it's unfortunate that you can't have both and like right. tie tie like because I feel like it's good for your soul like I have to create or mm-hmm. I'll just like die the only times I haven't been involved in music or art in some way have been really low points in my life where I was not doing well mentally so and ima- you're and imagine like kids who have that kind of like creative spirit inside of them and then having those conditions so that they can't express or play or do mm. what they need to do in garden uh, easily. We cu- we kind of circumvented that by g- 
getting our own PA, which was tricky when you when you know when you're like super young and you have to like have five different people who aren't all related to you pitch in money for like a PA that costs thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then when the band breaks up, you got to split that shit into five different shares somehow. That was rough, dude. But there was a point in time where we were like in a sweet spot. So we're like, we had the PA and we thought we knew how to run sound. And so we were setting up shows too as teenagers at, at Four Winds. And we just like, like they had to set up the show for this tiny bar. It's a, like the size of your living room. And That's you guys had a PA bigger. that could. We had this monstrous like PA. Cotillion. <laughs> yeah, it came from the Cotillion, from my understanding. It was like a section of the old PA. <laughs> it was like a section of the Cotillion subs <laughs> that were like you Jerry. You took me Ray. to some like sketchy airline hangar, and you're like, "Check out my PA," and I was like, "Dude, this is like for a club." <laughs> this is like a club PA, man. We didn't know any better, and and. We had such high hopes and just, you know, our eyes were a little bit bigger than our stomach when we bought that. Uh, it was fucking crazy. Wheeling Ooh. that shit into a little bar was insane. It just, it would <laughs> blow the fucking. Ian's just looking at you like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. And we got paid like a hundred bucks for moving all that shit. Right. And well, play dude- so um, the safe word on this show is cheeseburger, but we've been talking a lot about Garden City and good things about it. Like, I guess what was your boiling point? Why did you, when did you get out? Why did you get out? And how did you get out? Uh, I, I was just like languishing at one point and my family like encouraged me to go stay with another part of my family for like going, basically like going to college more. Cause I already went through GCCC and it was like time to move on. So I did that, but I was still like, I looking back now, I'm 26 now. And that was like 18 and that was fucking, I was just like, I was still a kid basically. So I went to started going to uh K state in Manhattan crashing with my grandma. And then like already being kind of an antisocial person, not knowing a lot of people from like the homeschool days onward, that was bad. Like I didn't know a lot of people, but it got a lot better because my dad had lived in Manhattan several years before and his like band and stuff was still pretty well known. So I just like happened to meet the right people to kind of get back into that swing of things. And then you kind of have that like, like notoriety, like family name behind you. And that was a really cool experience going into like a bar in Manhattan, Kansas and having like somebody buy you a drink. Cause like your dad was the shit. And I was like, growing up, like my dad, like never played music. He was always working after we moved to garden. He didn't try to start a band or jam with people. I saw him play guitar maybe like five more times after he'd had six kids. And it's kind of sad, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of sad, but also I'm super thankful for it because six fucking kids is expensive. No, he so made like, the right decision. But yeah. I mean, if any, if that's any testament to how much your old man cares about his family. I mean, if he's going from being in a popular band, because my brother moved to Lawrence, got with a group. They they were great, man. There was big things. They weren't going to get a record deal, but they were going to knock that town on its ass, dude. My brother got a phone call. I'm pregnant back in Elkhart, yeah. Kansas. So he's like, well, 
said goodbye to his music career. He never, we've never been back anywhere near that. So I get it. But I mean, that, that does say a lot that your old man, like basically, do you think that he didn't, I mean, cause everybody, I get that he's a busy dude, but I mean, to never play the guitar that often, do you think that, uh, it was, uh, any bitterness, like he didn't want to play his guitar because it hurt or do you feel like he just yeah, let go yeah. of it completely? I think, I, I think it, it probably affected him psychologically in a way to like miss his former life because being in a band, you know, all about the band dramas, you know, like people are fucking your girlfriend and like that kind of shit. And so like, there was some heartbreak there for sure. Um, uh, yeah. And that might be enough too. We could just leave it at that, I guess. Right. Yeah. But He'd definitely like picked it up and noodled around and it seemed to like feel good for him i think but i feel like he's just like like grieved and then like left that part of the past behind he just doesn't need to he's creative in so many other creative outlets like imagine being a ceramicist and a school pays for your kiln and all the clay you could ever spin so he is happy he's like he's happier than a pig and shit with all well, that. um, this nobody, not many people know this, but the city planner over in Sublette, his name's Dalen. He used to be in a, a touring band for about five years. He toured America, Germany, everywhere. Um, he was he was in a pretty big band, and he uh, was the best bass player I've ever met in, in person in my life. Amazing guy, and uh, he, when he left the music business, he I don't even know what happened, but I know that it didn't end well, and he moved to Sublette locked all of his gear up and he didn't touch it for didn't touch it think of it look at it for like 12 years and whenever he finally did start messing around i, I it took me a while to realize that like music broke his heart yeah you know, know like, he, can, he had to walk like away capacity. especially when other people are involved i feel like this conversation doesn't really apply if you're a solo act like if it right, like lives yeah. and dies with you, but when like when there's other people involved and they all have you're like an orchestra that's like writing the, right. its own symphony at any given point. So, you know, losing a member is losing so much, and yeah. there it gets to a point where if you can't handle those relationships, it just crumbles. And but going back to like having like kids ruining your career, I don't think it's like a death sentence if you have right. a kid and you're in a band. I feel like it can make you a lot more of a better, more responsible person. But having six <laughs> like, and you're like not Metallica already, it's like you know, like it's over at that point. You gotta be realistic. So I feel like my dad mm-hmm. was just a really realistic guy and I mean, I'm sure there were some times where he went to play guitar and, like, found that we had, like, unscrewed all the fucking screws from it over, like, other science experiments and shit. And, like, we wrecked his equipment when we were younger, too. Because he just, like, was kind of just like, here's toys. And now realizing that it's, like, thousands of dollars worth of, like, high-end equipment. I was like, I was like, fuck. We were, like, we were being bad kids trying to adjust our own truss rods. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you this, man. We got about twenty minutes left here. So you're you're, you're in Manhattan. At what I know you you did GCC. You went to K State a little bit. At what point did you study what you do now? You said massage therapy. Massage therapy. So I I was going to school for theater in Manhattan because I and which is like a degree you do if you don't fucking know what you want to go to school for. <laughs> and sorry. Uh, yeah. Um. 
And so I like, I just got like some bills one day and I was like, fuck this dude. Like, I can't like, this is ridiculous. What I'm going to school for that has this price tag. I immediately wanted to like reconsider my options after like the first semester. So I dropped out of school. I was working at a bar and there happened to be a cosmetology school next door. And so we'd have like students at that school also be working at that bar because it was super convenient. And so I did that. Like I was just like, that seems like a great idea. I can work. I can like go to school and walk next door to work. Hmm. Um, my dad was a massage therapist and I seemed to be like, I'm like, I'm always like looking to my father and be like, that seemed like a good idea. Like that was, I'm going to do that because he's so cool. Right. And he's like successful in life. So like, I will literally do exactly what he's do he was doing with music and also like an early career. So I walked into that school, got accepted, um, had my certificate to practice in about six or seven months, which is like exactly what I wanted mm -hmm. and then started working right away. And that's ultimately what brought me to Wichita including like chasing some girls here <laughs> <laughs> and then like driving, you know, driving from Manhattan to Wichita for a girl and then being like, Oh, it's pretty nice here. Yeah, and yeah. then, uh, I had to move back. Um, I had to move back to garden for a time after a breakup with the girl who brought me to Wichita and, uh, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Then I ended up moving back to Wichita, which is where I am currently a couple of years ago for work, like specifically because I can't really practice massage therapy in garden. I feel like that's, there's enough. They had just opened a spa. Right. When I was living in garden, I dropped off my application like twice and she lost it both times. <laughs> so then I was like, I'm not working for you. Sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't care that it's the only game in town. Like I'm not going to work there. There's like there's another place on like Main Street, but I just felt like it's just like with shows. Like there's just there's good work opportunity in Garden if you're okay with doing the work that's available. Right. If you want like if you want more options, you're probably better off somewhere else. That's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Was it only work that pushed you away, or was there like a repelling away from Garden City? Because you know a lot of people have this. You know, there's either two two type people when you're from a small town. There's people that are like. I cannot wait to leave this place. And any other people are like, I want to die here. You know, like where yeah. were you at growing up there? Oh, I had to get out. Like I just had to get out. It's, it's nice to go back and visit, but after so many days, I'm just like, I gotta go. I 
I slow. It's like time slows down there for me. It's just so slow, which is like mm-hmm. nice when you need a break. But when you like it, I feel so like unmotivated in garden to do anything. Uh, like I, when I go there, it's like a vacation spot for me now. Right. And we were just to like make shit to do so we can make this like last 20 minutes interesting too. to the things that we did as like mid to late teenagers in garden city to create our own fun were like dangerous and crazy. Like, it, well, you so, mentioned to me in the questionnaire that you climbed the Windsor and that's just dangerous, buddy. Tell me a little bit about yeah. that. You kind of started to tell me about it, but we weren't on the on the air. Yeah, so you said it's like a fire escape situation. There's like right? a fire escape in the back alley. And by and the way, before he tells a story, if you're in Garden City, don't freaking go to the Windsor and try to climb it tonight. He's just telling you something that happened a long time ago. Don't do that. Go ahead. Uh, I tell, drove tell past not and what not to do. Don't do do not try this at home. And I also drove past it last time I was in Garden just to like for like memory lane and they put up a gate so i'm pretty okay. sure like and i know we weren't the only kids who did it because like it right, was like yeah. a friend group right too and it's just like one of the few things you can do is like a rebellious teenager <laughs> to like i'm just trying know, to just like live suit. just like <laughs> live a little yeah yeah right. no do, under no circumstances do this there used to be a fire escape on the back of it which is was super sketchy old metal that was like rusting and falling apart and you could just there was probably a door at one point but it was like the padlock had like rusted off and nobody checked on that shit for like the last hundred years that the windsor was closed so we just like go climb the fire escape super easy get all the way up to the top of the windsor um go there you know take a girl up there to like show her the city it's like it's garden city it's the east side of garden yeah it's like look at all the single story buildings we can see from the one tall building in town and uh but it was also like a spot that we'd go to to like like if something bad happened like if you went through a breakup like you'd climb up the windsor and then like look out over you know garden city kansas and be like oh it's I miss her. <laughs> and then one time I was I, I was walking up there and I saw all this graffiti, like top to bottom. This whole fire escape was covered with like a love letter, breakup letter in silver Sharpie. And then I like read it going all the way up and it had like gone from like the beginning of a relationship all the way to the breakup. And I realized that like it was someone I knew. <laughs> who wrote all this stuff because they like had like left enough personal information in it that I was like I know exactly who these people are like <laughs> that was what people did before Facebook guys they just wrote all their problems on buildings <laughs> did when you're growing up in Garden I guess you were homeschooled like what were you what did you know about the Windsor other than it was the biggest building in town like did you know any of the historical significance at all or do you no, know nothing no not kind of now but mm. it's uh my understanding is is that it was like the hotel right for a long time it was just the hotel where you could go to get food and lodging if you were on the Santa Fe Trail I'd imagine but I'm sure the town would have had there's an alternate reality where that river is not dammed where garden city is a much larger city right and much more full of life and fiber almost like wichita it's the same river that runs through wichita there just happens to be water in it because it's not it's far enough right. downstream that 
it's it's actually alive. But Garden just when they dammed up that river, they kind of sealed that town's fate. Yeah. And it's nothing that anybody can do to like fix it unless they want to become an eco terrorist. And I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I mean, like, where, where are you at as far as like you know? Because there's there's like two different kinds of people. Like there's people that want to save Garden City downtown. You know, they're like, oh, it's so charming, and they're you know, it closes down at five, and we need to we need to re reevaluate. But then there's people that get mad that there's like new areas of Garden City that are up and coming. Um, but like, there are people, uh, God rest his soul, but um, uh, Don 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 Harkness, uh, he he uh, Don Harness, he 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 spent like the last 15 20 years of his life trying to save the Windsor and. He he did pretty good as far as like they raised money, they did some stuff to fix it up, but um it just seems like nobody really cared other than like that older generation. Did did you guys like where were you guys at on on Garden City being a cool historic place? Like did you take any of that stuff seriously or are you just like who the hell cares about a hairball? Was, who the hell cares who, about an was, old hotel? It was who the hell cares, honestly. Yeah. It was like it was more like <laughs> why does Colorado have fucking weed and we don't like we were <laughs> like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we cared about. Or like, why do I have to drive three hours to go to a hot topic? Like that yeah. was at least like, why do we have to drive like four hours to go to a mall? That was kind of. <laughs> so do you tell me about this about. man? So I know that you were playing with Cody Moore for a little bit. Um, how, how much of a heads up did you get that he was moving? Oh, uh, like not not much. Because I remember just, he was I follow him on Facebook, and he just one day he's like, "Well, I'm going to Florida." I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's doing good out there. I saw he plays for a show. He'd been dropping hints about it for a while. Okay. And actually, that's not the band dissolved. Oh, okay. Prior, but not okay. m- not much longer before that happened. So. It was sprung on us, but also like it was pretty, pretty much over. We right. had our fun for a couple of months, and it was over. And you yeah. guys played. You guys played several shows. We went hard. He was like ready. He was excited that uh, about mm-hmm. having more musicians to play his material. Right. And so we hit it really hard. Shows like every weekend, we ended up. Because of the genre, which I didn't anticipate this, just having more opportunity to play bigger shows because it was a popular genre of music. Go figure, mm-hmm. right? Like me right. playing like psychedelic trance, avant-garde, fucking garage punk rock isn't going to let you open up for XYZ. Like right. you just go right. figure. So we ended up opening up at the Wave and a couple of times and – a show that they had at the park in the middle of town, not Nofter Park or something. And then we played a, like the Sunday blues show of Riverfest, which was right. cool, like a Sunday afternoon show. And that was all just because of the genre of music and having it like executed well enough that it was like enter- entertaining. Yeah. So it was that, that was cool. That was interesting to me. I like Cody Moore. I like his music. Uh, he yeah, was I, the only time I ever met him was uh, it was backstage before Ether podcast. I was playing some music on the speakers while I was getting stuff ready, and I think it was like Toto Africa. And uh, Cody Moore told told me that uh, there was not a single song that was good, good that was written in the eighties. 
And that's the only thing he said that broke my heart. But I was like, oh, buddy, I need to sit down with you for a week and then show you some 80s stuff. But no, I, I've been following Cody uh, for a couple of years now. And I think it's cool he's doing stuff. But what's it like? And so, you know, in your in your bands, when you're younger, you're like, right, you're the driving force. You're writing the songs. You're kind of the creative force. What's it like stepping into a, a band where everything's already written and you're kind of just like a hired gun at that point? It's kind of cool. It kind of takes the pressure off, right. I feel like. Like, it's we did we do some songwriting and i feel like that happens in every band like you it, you can join a band that already has the whole catalog written and you'll end up right. creating something new given the time but it's it was fine to me it felt awesome because also it was like in both instances where i've like stepped in in the cody moore band which was my first project in wichita literally a year ago today was our first show so this is kind right. of timely uh, um and then now Ghost Town Strays, which is my current project right. that I'm working with. Stepping in, I I wouldn't work with somebody who's like, you have to play this mm-hmm. note for note. Like I just we wouldn't mesh. So I'm given enough creative license to change parts where I feel like they need. I can add fills. I can do whatever, as long as it sounds good, I can kind of do whatever I feel like doing. So I retain the individualism, which is very mm-hmm. important. And I don't like, it's awesome. It's all, it's all cool stuff. As long as I get along with the people I'm working with, then it's going to be great. Right. Just, just like any other band. Right. So when you're writing music with Johnny over there at ghost town, like what's sort of that process? Like uh, when on the stuff you guys have done together, is it like we're, cause I know that his, you know, ghost town's definitely its own vibe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, you're listening to ghost town. It's the guitars, you know, the way he plays and stuff. Um, does he like approach you guys with, with like pretty much a full caked out song and then you guys come up with parts or do you guys just kind of riffs? It's, it's a, it's a mixture of both. Uh, just whoever has the idea in the moment. I can walk you through it real quick though, but it's going back to, this is fun. This is a funny point because I, when I was jamming with Cody, they, Cody and the other band members started to call me homeschool because I was always doing my homework at home, like working <laughs> very hard at home. So sort of the conversation back around, it's kind of ironic. Like they would call me homeschool because I was always like so excited to play and like learn my parts and rehearse and all that so uh with ghost town johnny what we're working on new material right now and johnny will it's like catch it's like he'll record like a 30 second idea and shoot it over to me and then i'll write a part for it and then we'll probably have some sort of conversation about like a b c d b like kind of like composing a sonnet Mm-hmm. Like what order these parts are going to go in and how many times. But then the caveat is we both know that the song is going to change when we introduce Chuck, the drummer, and the the rhythm and the different stuff uh, changes and he has his own ideas. So we really it's a one, two, three step process. Mm-hmm. I had to do – that's why I brought up the homeschool comment. I Johnny has a playlist of like 600 songs on Spotify. That's like what he's going for. Like, this is what I want to sound like. So I started like literally learning the whole thing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it was like, I've never been in a surf rock band before. I better get started now, like learning how to play these, these like surf rock tricks basically. So I like (laughs) would go through, I'd listen to that playlist 
every second of the day that I could, like all the, all the drives home from work, doing my dishes, I'm listening to that playlist. And if I caught something that I really like felt like I needed to learn or that I like liked the groove, I'd like take a screenshot on my phone to like catch the like the name of it. And then I'd like when it was time to practice that day, I'd sit down and I'd learn that song. And so those tricks come through. You're just like uh, Tim Tim Routon from Garden. Yeah. Who uh, he did he like gave me some guitar lessons when I was younger. He's a legendary dude. People from Garden will know him very well. He's a super sweet guy, and he was doing guitar lessons forever. And he gave me a few, and he he told me that the like only discernible difference between a beginner musician. And an expert musician is the number of songs you know. That's what he told me. <laughs> so I, I believe it. Yeah. Like if you know, like who can, who's gonna tell you like you're not a musician if you know like 500 fucking songs to play? Like that's a certain measure of success. Oh, I agree, so, man. Yeah. yeah. And what's crazy is like that doesn't you don't see a lot of like those old cats, man. They, they can play 500 songs, man. You get them all the, you get like six of those guys together at a bar and oh, a reunion, man. Gosh. It goes till four in the morning. They're not going to stop, magic. you know? And that's like the beauty of like Wichita. Cause there's open jams every night of the week, just about, and you can go and play. You can do, you can pick a genre you want to play and you will have an audience there for you. Right. It's just by having all these different bars that have like specialized in like the type of music that they host and then having just like this wealth of knowledge and creativity and the the old heads who are still out here, you know, making music for generations. It's amazing. Sick, man. So uh, I wanted to wrap on this. Uh, you, I had asked you what your biggest struggle in life was and you said it was ADHD. Um, is that something that was... Uh diagnosed early on or is it self-diagnosis how do you learn you have adhd uh you learn you have adhd when you steal vivance from your parents and it makes your life extremely better <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh it's a true story um but no they were both diagnosed it's obvious if you walk through our house and don't don't let anybody know you're coming over just like the amount of shit that's out and like organizing was like, my parents loved how having me clean when I was a kid. Cause like, I would just like put the mess in the cupboards and closet and like that was cleaning. And so, but like I had that down, I was like, if we could just get the things off the counter, it's going to be a lot better in here. So that, <laughs> so they, they both have their own struggles with it. Man, both diagnosed, medicated. I don't think they're medicated currently, but that's also I just don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I really I like. You feel like something's missing in your head when you have ADHD, and a lot of times it's like just the thing you were trying, like just the thought you were trying to have. Like that's the thing that's missing, and. Real like just knowing that like I needed a little bit of help to kind of like get over that hill. I was taking therapy f uh, for the first time in my life when I was, the last time I was in Garden I was going to Compass and they were great. I w really wanted because I saw the improvement it made in my siblings who were also diagnosed. So I think it's like an like say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of us. Mm-hmm. Just super high creative types. High energy creative types. With trouble focusing. And I saw the improvement it made. Especially my little brother Cassie. And I moved back home and he had dropped all his baby fat. He was working out all the time. And just really like living life and loving life. And I was like, I need some of that, man. <laughs> I'm like burnt out and out of shape. And I've made all these like fucked up choices that have like put me in this downward spiral so i told my therapist i thought i needed to be medicated for adhd and they set up a appointment with a psychologist and apart from me accidentally telling them that i smoked weed and having to fucking talk about that and then like (laughs) they wanted to talk about like suicidal thoughts it was like it was almost like they brought in the fucking like psych ward when i said that i wouldn't Mm -hmm. if i could go back i would not have brought that up because that was bad. It was like they. It was like it was like uh, pulls out like a drawer in his desk and holds up like the grippy socks. He's like, mm-hmm. so tell me more about this like suicidal ideology. <laughs> like they were just like ready, but like after that difficult conversation, they gave me some medication, and it was pretty much exactly what I expected. It was just a lot better and easier to talk to people. It was like the most noticeable, like just the way you relate to people. If you can make yourself more normaler it helps every single interaction you have that day. Mm-hmm. So that was very helpful. And I kind of just let them run out. Like when I moved back to Wichita and like, and that's the danger of the ADHD. Cause I like won't fucking like making that appointment to get my, uh, my meds re-upped after I ran out and like had to get a new psychologist. Like I lost mm-hmm. that routine and that rhythm and just like, didn't know what to do. And then like, never did anything about it like i could i could do it i all the pieces are there but it's like i'm something like i'll i literally every time i think about it it's going to be forgotten until i'll probably get to a point where it becomes so much of an issue that i have to do something about it but there's also other kinds of therapies and stuff out there besides like just regular old medication that you should, I encourage everyone to do to try to be like the best version of themselves they could be. And people will like, people go back and forth about like, oh, you know, like exercise, you're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, like I need like Lazorpam or something. It's like, that's not going to f- solve my problem. It's like, yeah, you might be right in for yourself, right. but for a lot of people, uh, the opposite might be right. And you might be able to kind of, focus more 
if you if you fucking beat yourself up for an hour a day and like i can actually like focus after that so that's that's good well i mean you might not be on like uh you know white coat meds or anything but let me ask you this man do you are you whenever you uh i I know you're in a state where you're at you know where the, the the laws are the laws but uh if you do uh you know partake in uh cannabis is it because you like the band Pink Floyd or do you feel like it is medicinal for you? Do you feel like it makes your life yeah, uh, it's, better? It's straight up medicinal use right now. I don't like rip bongs or smoke joints or blunts or anything. I literally have like a one hitter and I'll take like a one hit a night. Mm. Like after I get off work, it's kind of, it's like just like that. It's just like taking a pill to me. It's right. like measured almost. Um, Self, yeah, this is everyone who has ADD has been self medicating in some way, shape, or form, whether it was through alcohol mm-hmm. or something different. It's just everyone I've known who has it, they it's super common. And that kind of with that kind of break, is it, a, is it a break? Like, uh, for me, like, and I can't really talk because, like, if I'm not out driving around, if I'm stationary where I'm going to be for the next few hours, like, I'm pretty much, you know, hitting my little yeah. my little pin here. It is legal where I'm at. Um, but, right. But, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where I probably do abuse it a little bit. You know what I mean? But I, I know that um, when I first got here, they said uh, I went to the doctor to get my car. And they're like, why do you think that you just you should be on? Uh, how can medical marijuana help you? And I knew my answer was uh, because when I'm sober, I'm scared of mouse shit. It's because I went through like a freaking psychosis thinking I was going to die from Hanna virus like in 2017. But what had really happened is I went from being a, a daily marijuana smoker to having kids and then realizing that, hey, if I if I keep smoking weed somebody's going to shawn a band in my ass. Yeah. And I feel so bad for her for what happened to her, but I did not want to be the next Shonda Banda. I did not want to be that. And that's why I stopped smoking weed. And Noah, I lost my freaking mind. Ended up going to Michael Southern two day, two, uh, a day a week for three years. Lost my mind, man. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I do think that I had the mental illnesses that I was diagnosed with. But I do think that taking away marijuana, because the main thing I have is OCD. And if, if I don't use marijuana, like my brain just cycle thinks things until I'm exhausted. Like, yeah. it's kind of like one of those little dogs that, you know, like there's those little tiny dogs, like English bulldogs or something like you can't play with them for too long because they'll never stop. They'll play until they pass out. It's kind of how my mind works sometimes. So um, I guess my last question for you is, uh, I guess. Uh, well, second to last question. Where where are you at as far as uh, the reason I don't live in Garden City or Elkhart or or Wichita is because I can't smoke weed there legal. I don't want to lose my kid. Yeah. Um. Where? Do, what are your thoughts on uh, why our beloved state is taking so long? Oh God. <sighs> because Kansas is the most moved from state in the union. This information may have changed this might be old data but from my understanding is more people move away from kansas and other red states in the heartland faster and in more numbers than anywhere else so this causes a problem because young liberal kids move to liberal cities and their voices aren't heard 
in the long run. That is what I think happened in Kansas and uh, like other states and to more to a degree here because we're like dead center. So there's you can have like your shining city on the hill wherever. Like it could be Denver, it could be Milwaukee, it could be fucking just wherever. Right. That's and that's why it's so slow. Because when those kids move, then there's no demographic. That it's a slower demographic change. But Shauna was totally right. And I think if this, if her situation happened today, I don't think they could do much about it because it was just CBD oil that she was making, and that's totally like legal farm bill. Kansas right now, like loophole, which they're right. not happy about, right. and they're going to try to shut it down, but they're really being resistant to change as a conservative ideology. Like now, that is, I've met so many Republican guys who fucking smoke weed living in Garden right. City, and those people are awesome. And what the conservatives don't realize, the Red Party are, are is their stance on the issue is making all those people libertarians, and they won't fucking vote for your conservative candidate either right. so like like so they're they the times will change and it might just be a ma- like it's just going to be a matter of time maybe not everybody moving but i can't like i moved away from garden i'm like i'm much less likely to be arrested for smoking weed in wichita in my opinion right yeah like, well um so you're still in kansas though you're still yeah. of voting age you could be a part of the change do you think that maybe weed is being held down because of people like me my, my vote that could have helped out i bailed and went somewhere where it was already free i mean because I, I feel because I've, no. I've always been like why I, the hell is kansas not doing anything but I, you might be right like everybody i know that that didn't want to lose their children for smoking a plant left you know what I mean? Like, it yeah, pretty much boiled yeah. down to that. I have kids. I don't want to lose my kids. I need marijuana or I go crazy. going to go to some state, you know, I, I feel like in terms of criminalization, the responsibility lies with the feds, right? Like the, the feds are the ones who fucking raid your legal weed mm-hmm. operation. If you're in a legal state. So it's really the feds. So like, I don't hold non-voters responsible for any of this shit. Right. Like the, the bottom line should be freedom. So like, and anything imposed on that is by definition tyranny. So it's the people who are enforcing it, who have to, they have to have their minds changed before it can change at all. So what I mean by that is like, there are cities close in in terms of like geography, like Kansas city, that's not a place where you're supposed to be able to smoke pot, but the cops there, and the justice system in that city has decided that there's so much other shit they need to be doing that it's a waste of time. Which mm-hmm. and so it's like gone back to like freedom as a like a baseline value. So it's like that's it's a very complicated issue, but I I will say that like just about everybody I know is like pissed that Oklahoma got weed before <laughs> us. Just the, so mad. They're like, did you see that coming though, man? Because all I know about, oh. I lived uh, a mile from Oklahoma my whole life. Elkhart is a mile from Oklahoma. Every time we'd go south to go to Grime, Oklahoma to get groceries, 
the cops were just like, I never wanted to get in trouble in Oklahoma. I never wanted to get caught with yeah. weed because I thought they'd throw me in prison. Yeah. You know, I never really messed around in Oklahoma. I blew my mind that they they went before Kansas. Man, it's just like they, what? I, I know don't even crazy. know how they this did is, that. Well, like, was I'll it a tell you this initiative? though. <laughs> I do another podcast with a buddy of mine who's a he he was my teacher in high school. He was telling me he did some research and apparently like you would think that Colorado or California is going to be known as like the weed kingpin or like the kingpin city of the, of the place. They're saying that every, like even like people in California, they're investing in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is about to be the weed capital of the planet, dude. Well, and it blows my mind. I'm like, Oklahoma, like why not Kansas? And I feel like Kansas is going to miss out on a huge opportunity. Not oh, it, already to do it. it already is right now. And it's a shame. It's probably because, land is so much more expensive in colorado at this point mm-hmm. like i'm sure even in like the boonies it's it's bad so if you were like a company that wanted to buy up farmland to start producing hemp and cbd and whatever else oklahoma is like you're like gimme gimme like i'll yeah. i'll buy it all yeah but and then we're in Colorado. That wouldn't even be possible. And then Colorado also has some weird laws. So I'm pretty, I, I've visited some farms there and I've talked to some farmers and they have like in, in his area, it's like he has to hire an equal amount of people like from their local community to um, work the farm as well as like other workers. And like, uh-huh. that's a good, that sounds like a good idea in theory, but then it real it, ends up that he has to hire shitty people (laughs) (laughs) like he has to hire people who are just like bad because he has to like it's like he's legally required so like there's probably it's it's probably how like all the comedians moved to texas right for our midwest values and it's probably the exact same thing with the cannabis industry and the midwest and I agree with you. Kansas is missing out on a huge financial opportunity. It's like yeah. maybe we should all be able to benefit from it instead of just the police departments and the city government. Like we all could right. be benefiting from it. Breaks my heart. Well, man, last question I have for you tonight, and I appreciate you doing the show, man. This is really cool. Um do you have a five-year plan or are you in the point of your life where you're just kind of playing it by ear? I never used to have a five-year plan. I don't feel like I could until recently. I couldn't even see five years into the future. I'd get like a, I could get like a vague idea of what was going to happen to me based off of my choices. I feel like a lot of that is the development of your frontal lobe. So until a couple of years ago, I was an illegal adult walking around without a fully developed frontal lobe being expected to make these choices and decisions for myself. And I made a lot of bad ones. And now that I have that, like some, some more amount of foresight, like the older I get now, I'd still consider myself as like a younger adult, but I just, the weight of time is more like obvious now. So like you kind of have to, I feel like I'm at a point where like, you either come up with uh, like a bet for what you're going to do or you wing it and people who like fully wing it, you can see where they end up and it's right. not a good thing. So I do have like a general five-year plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to like spread some roots here in Wichita. It worked out well for me so far. 
Um, I like being close to home and close to a lot of a lot, like bigger cities. Like it's great to be in the middle of the country because if I want to take a vacation, it's an equal distance wherever right. I want to go in the country. Uh, I'm in terms of like work. I'm gonna in five years. I'm definitely going to be uh, running my own massage business. And I'll probably start making a lot less money at first, but then that just opens up like the potential right. of like have like how much I could be working and for myself, it's just going to be a lot better. So I got some like big goals for the next five years that I'm looking forward to. But before that, I'd never, I never had one. I was the, I used to call myself the Lorax. Like, I was, <laughs> like that was my five-year plan is I was going to, fly away by the seat of my pants <laughs> <laughs> well hey man we're gonna get out of here but just real quick tell everybody about any projects you're involved with um where they can find them online and everything yeah check out ghost town strays on facebook follow that page you might as well follow the uh cody Moore music on facebook as well uh, where, that's where you can find updates on all of the upcoming shows and the events we're planning on we will be returning to garden city very soon we already have a show in dodge city next month actually which might as well be garden city right. don't, don't tell them i said that i'm just kidding guys <laughs> don't don't come at me in the comments you can add me on facebook i just add whoever so you can send me a friend request at noah ganesha mccallum facebook.com i'm assuming and that's that should be it for now Awesome. No, it's been cool, man. It's good seeing you. I interviewed you when you were like 18 or day years old. And uh, a lot I'll, different. I'll, I'll hit I know, you I'll in about nine crazy. more years, man. We got to catch up again. <laughs> don't, please don't let it be that long. I'd love to come back on the show. It will, man. Hey, man, I'm going to be my band's playing July 2nd in Garden City. If you feel froggy, man. Sick, dude. Is What day is that? It's a uh, Friday. No, Saturday. Saturday night. I might yeah. even make that. Cool. All dude. right, man. Well, Thank it was you, good dude. talking to you, man. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Take it easy. I don't think it, I thought it, that's different. I said what I said and I meant it, or lamented. Words given weight without thought and a person, the way that I talk and the way that I ought to be able to pause and to say that the fault can be placed on my arms and this playful assault to disgrace in this arm. Pray for the day they could wait for the calm. You can't control the storm, only weather it, weather it. Five weeks and five days of rain sideways. A scorched earth search for death or water left with all the thorns. When the petals gone, settle on the breath of autumn. If the crown fits, wear it. The crown fits. If the crown fits, wear it. If the crown fits. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.